0: Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I will chase him round of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Tradition's flames before I give him up. There she is. There she is. against their shields. The base Scotty, I need warp speed in three minutes or we're all dead.
1: I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. A room for all eternity. Buried alive.
0: Buried alive. John! John! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan. Hello everybody and welcome once again to GeekFest France. My name is Carlos Perón and today we are starting off with an unusual subject, the eugenics wars. If you guys remember Star Trek, this is what we're talking about. Not only the show itself, but how the uh, subject of gene manipulation and eugenics plays a role in science fiction shows like star trek and some other movies that we like plus we're going to talk a little bit about the actual reality of eugenics something that apparently happened a while back and how it kind of led into some of these storylines that have been picked up primarily by science fiction material Then we're going to do a little wrap-up with Kyle of our television shows. We haven't talked television in a while, and we're going to kind of wrap up a whole bunch of shows we've been watching, and even some older ones that we are finally finishing up on. And we're going to wrap things up today with some more Star Wars toys. This time around, we're talking about the 12-inch line. 12-inch line figures, or dolls, if you will, whatever you'd like to call them. Uh, Not only are we going to hit the more modern ones and the specific focus collecting that I have for them, but the original Kenner 12-inch line too, that was a big deal back then, and over the last few years, I've started to kind of recollect again. So let's get started with the Eugenics Wars.
1: Plato, Mirada, (laughs) Nexar! must burn the books, Montag. The books have nothing to say. When I was your age, television was called books.
0: You, Mr. Bemis, are a reader. A a reader? A reader. A reader of books, magazines, periodicals, newspapers. Today we're going to talk about in an unusual way, a little bit about Star Trek. Specifically, I want to talk about the Eugenics War. The entire plot, basically, or backstory, that gives us the character of Khan. First, when we saw him in Spacey during the actual series, and then, obviously, during Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, probably the best of all the Star Trek films. The reason we're coming to this particular story is that I was planning on doing a story having to do with the Eugenics Wars and how... In a very far-fetched way, you know, it does have some backstory in real life in terms of the topic of eugenics, something that historically has been explored worldwide and specifically here in America over 100 years ago. The reason why the story all of a sudden even is more important right now is because uh, rumors have been going around that there might be a secondary Star Trek series in the works. Uh, In this particular case, maybe a miniseries or a series of interconnected movies for television, for cable, for something. Uh, Again, because it's all rumors, it's really hard to pinpoint it down as to exactly what it is. But this particular story going around is that Nicholas Myers, the director of Wrath of Khan and uh, Undiscovered Country, appears to be involved in a project to bring together a couple of maybe mini series related events having to do with Khan. Specifically, if we are to believe these rumors, how he survived in Seti Alpha 5. You know, after the events of Space Seed and obviously before the events of The Wrath of Khan. If this were to happen, it would be fantastic. I would love the idea to see uh, somebody's interpretation of those events. Now, those events have been put together in a fictional form in books. A couple of books were released back around 2001. It's kind of a three-part series, if you will. The first two have to do specifically with the eugenics wars themselves. How Khan became the person that we met during Space Seed. That was covered during the first two books. The third book is more about what happened to him at Seti Alpha 5, which, again, is exactly, it seems to be exactly, what this potential new miniseries might be about if it happens. Now, the Eugenics Wars is touched upon during Space Seed, and we are given some brief backstory having to do with some kind of a political-related event having to do I think like in the 1990s or something, in the, late, in the late 20th century, let's say, where genetic enhanced people tried to take over the world. And Khan was kind of like the leader of them, And at some point, he was defeated and he was exiled out of Earth into space. And that's how you know the the crew of the Enterprise uh, runs into them during the space seat episode. Now, the books that I was just mentioning before, uh, the first one is called *The Eugenics Wars: The Rise and Fall of Khan Noonien Singh*. Obviously, that's uh, that's Khan. And it goes way deeper into the story in terms of, you know, we meet him as a child. We meet him as he's being, you know, kind of experimented on and enhanced. And he's there with a whole bunch of other children that seem to be growing up in these secret underground bases in different parts of the world. And the book also interweaves other classic star trek characters not only do we have you know a side story with kirk trying to g- whether or not grant federation uh, rights i guess to a colony of genetically enhanced uh, beings you know that's kind of like the B story that's kind of pasting it all together with the eugenics wars as the backstory of you know why he feels the way he feels about genetically enhanced individuals but it also has Gary Seven as a otherworldly time-traveling, I guess you could even call it, kind of thing that brings a third kind of point of view to the whole story, and they're kind of chasing down these scientists and trying to possibly destroy these experimental things that are going on. But with these books, especially by the time we get to Volume 2, we get to see all the Political machinations of what is happening, you know, with these enhanced individuals as they grow older and they start to become leaders of different continents and how they get to a point where they can almost kind of take over but then at the last minute they're kind of pushed back and as they're defeated you know Khan has to uh the option is to either you know fight or die kind of thing so instead they decide that they're going to go into these sleeper ships and go out into space as opposed to having to I guess be caught or uh, stay trial for what's happened in the earth and you know that kind of brings us okay it brings us to where we uh pick them up at space seed which it's fine there's the third book also in the series that i mentioned earlier and it's all about what happened in seti alpha 5 so this is a nice little trilogy of books i remember reading them a while back i still own them the best thing about the books is the actual obviously fictional story, the thing that I didn't enjoy so much was trying to interweave so many regular Star Trek characters, even though they're not common characters. You know, the characters like Gary Seven and Roberta are not exactly, you know, ongoing characters, but they try to use them to continue this particular story or to kind of flesh it out. Now, what's really interesting is that one of the reasons why I got directed to kind of doing a piece about this was because I started reading a book called Imbeciles, out of all names, by Adam Cohen. And uh, it's a book about the history of eugenics, the actual history of this movement that happened over 100 years ago of scientists. This was kind of like a renaissance of Scientific knowledge that was happening, you know, around the time of Darwin and forward into the early 1900s, where somebody uh, decided that, you know what, the smarter people are, the better that the chances of survival for everybody else they would have so they kind of started these projects where they would try to categorize people in certain ways and to kind of weed out the less desirable whatever happens to be desirable at that time individuals and try to figure out a way of not allowing people to breed <laughs> to have to conceive children if they came from what would we consider inferior stock Now, granted, that kind of thinking indirectly and directly, very directly, led also to what happened in Germany with the Nazis and the, you know, the whole master race uh, way of thinking. Eugenics was a huge thing with the Nazi party and the rise of Hitler and the eventual extermination of so many people based on that criteria. Here, thank God, it didn't go that far, but it did get much traction in the medical field especially having to do with prisons or mental institutions. At one point, they decided to categorize certain illnesses or things that they didn't really understand or comprehend or cared about much into these categories, and hence the book Imbeciles. Where, you, know, you would be labeled either an imbecile, a moron, or feeble-minded. And depending on what your affliction was, that's how you would people that were epileptic. People that uh, the category of loose women, <laughs> promiscuous women, they would be categorized into that. Any form of uh, mild retardation or anything like that would be categorized into that. Any criminal record, anything like that. Unmarried women, pregnant women that were unmarried, uh, stuff like that, it, it would kind of sometimes get you a ticket straight to an institution because you would be categorized as that. And what, what is happening is, These groups of scientists very, you know, prominent at the time. Some of them, and politicians, were instituting laws where they could start sterilizing people in the name of eugenics, in the name of sterilizing them so that they could not reproduce and create more of what was considered to be, you know, unacceptable, criminalistic, uh, drain-on-society type of individuals. It is barbaric when you're... Read about it, and the fact that it all one particular case that I'm reading about went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they passed it. They allowed it to happen. But that is the the historical true background to what I'm talking about with uh, with uh, the eugenics war, which is something obviously didn't happen. But it's really interesting that something that is a sci-fi subject does have some kind of back story based in, on truth that the, there was organized attempts uh, historically in different countries, even in ours, to separate people between the different classes and to categorize them in a way where it would be beneficial to allow certain people uh, to have children or not. Now, in the case of um, Star Trek, we're dealing with genetically enhanced individuals messing around with DNA and that sort of thing. Another very good story or very good movie having to do with that particular subject is Gattaca. Recently re-watched it again. I love the movie. I love the music in that movie. But yeah, you're dealing with a similar situation where you have a society now where only the best get to you know, get the good jobs and get to go to the places they want to go while the rest of them don't and how one man has been kind of tricking everyone even though he does not have the genetic stock that is acceptable and how he kind of flubs his way through life to try to be able to reach this goal that he has of to be able to go to a different planet but only you know the best of the best get to go uh, and how he has to work his way around it all having to do with different types of blood tests and urine and skin cells and hair follicles anything that could give it away that he's that he's impersonating someone else great movie uh, with Ethan Hawke and Jude Law you know I, I think that's one of his earlier films and Uma Thurman of course so There are, I'm sure, more out there uh, having to do with the subject of eugenics. And uh, there are uh, lots of books, you know, if you want to go to the historical side of that subject, which uh, I'm still in the process of reading this book. But it is kind of scary uh, when you look at the reality of this branch of pseudoscience. I mean, it's so funny because when you you listen to the arguments nowadays and the facts, the so-called facts that were presented... Even in court, it all falls completely apart now in terms of this is just complete crap. It it was a, like many things, one good portion of it had to do with racism and it was a way of being able to divide people into different categories and to be able to categorize people and have an excuse to be able to exclude people without giving the real reason why you don't want certain people around they were trying to manipulate science into giving them the excuse to do it and again the best example of it was nazi germany they devised an entire formula you know scientific formula of them being able to legally uh, decide who gets to live and who gets to die Uh, it's just amazing how these things have happened historically and nowadays what's uh, amazing again i was listening to a story recently on the news about how uh, they've been able now to pinpoint and genetic uh, research you know I think either before you're born or right as you're born, exactly what kind of traits or diseases you might or might not have, uh, which is, again, it's exactly what what Gattaca was all about, being able to, the day you are born, be told what kind of baby you're going to have and what are his odds of succeeding at this, this, or that, and then being able to manipulate uh, pre-birth what traits you want your baby to have. And then if you take a chance of not pre-assembling these selections you might end up with a baby that might have some kind of defect or a uh, disease or maybe nothing at all leaving it all completely up to chance like we kind of do now in a way but it's funny how all these stories are kind of happening all at the same time i would absolutely love to see a television series based on khan living at seti alpha 5 it would be very difficult the the biggest challenge the, the most unbelievably hardest challenge for this series will be to cast somebody to play Khan. I know how difficult it was when they did it with Into Darkness, how much the fanboys uh, were outraged at who they chose, and why they chose him, and the fact that they did have him play that character. Didn't bother me that much really, but it would have to be something very different. And I would hope that if they do go forward with this, that it's something that they can go a little more public with. Make this miniseries a little more accessible. I wouldn't mind it to be a, an HBO type of thing where it's a little more adultish, a little less kiddyish. And uh the accessibility is the main factor here because we know we do have a new television show coming Star Trek Discovery that to me I mean I saw the trailer it looks really interesting I, I, I really wish I could see it but I am not going to pay uh, extra money to watch it on um, CBS's own uh, streamable service so I'm going to end up either waiting for some kind of DVD release to come out I don't know six months later a year later or whatever or uh, finding it through some nefarious means <laughs> which I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be doing that because, you know, uh, Star Trek is... The more Star Trek, the better. It's like Star Wars as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, this secondary show seems very interesting to me. Their possibilities of, of creating this world really, really uh, would be an exciting opportunity. Especially for all the Trekkies out there that are just dying for some new materials. The, the, the films haven't been getting much traction lately. Uh, I haven't heard anything having to do with more films. Uh, So maybe they're just kind of changing gears now and concentrating on television now. Focus more on television. Then they might come back to films at a certain point. Again, the subject of eugenics is specifically having to do with Star Trek. And, you know, the Star Trek history, the alternative history of Star Trek is something that's always fascinated me.
1: Television is not the truth.
0: Television is an amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. All right, we're going to do a little recap on many television shows. We're not going to do a whole half hour on just one. We're just going to kind of breeze through the majority of the stuff we've been watching lately. Some of the stuff... ...has been finished, you know, it's ended over the last year. Some of this stuff might have ended before, but we were finally in the process of catching up through it... ...through, uh, you know, direct on demand, or Netflix, or whatever the heck it is... ...that some of these episodes finally get posted on. There are so many shows that I still was not able to finish. The Americans, I'm way behind justified I've never watched the last season because I missed it because I kind of fell behind on it so here's a couple of shows that at least we re- we so far have been able to keep up with or we've been able to finish the first show I want to talk about is American Gods this is a really bizarre show and I know that it was only available in stars. So I had to wait for like a free, one of those free weekends they had where you can binge watch the whole thing. And that's more or less how I was able to do it. There was some kind of special three or four day trial and I was able to watch it and it was a great show. It was completely bizarre. Granted, I've never read the Neil Gaiman books or any of the, or any of his other books, but this is, I kind of knew from the beginning already that. This was going to be going in a completely different direction. It is a very adult-ish kind of show. A lot of known actors are in it. Really difficult to categorize where you would put this show. It is so strange. It's just impossible. You cannot put it in anything. I don't know. It is such a fantastical world that you're living in. Where these different personification of what the American gods are. In other words, what is it that... Americans more or less worship, (laughs) and I'm not talking about a god, I'm talking about whether you're very devoted to money, you're very devoted to entertainment, you know, whatever it is that makes you click, that you kind of center your entire life around, that's the characters in this show. It's really unusual how these new gods are fighting with older gods, and you see like the history of the world and how these gods get created so so there's like a god of money
1: and a god of television there's a like god that. of
0: entertainment there's a god of uh a corporate world there's oh, a wow. there's 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 a god of spring a, a god of you know the old gods uh there's uh i believe the lead character i think is odin which in, theoretically it's really thor's father if you follow the avengers or anything yeah, like that weird. so it's really weird and they the cool thing is that the show then takes you to different points in history and they kind of show you how these gods become gods and how people start worshiping and focusing on certain aspects that become their point in their lives it's really bizarre it's un it's an unexplainable show you just have to watch it it's it's very violent a lot of sexual situation you know very r-rated adultish kind of stuff speaking of r-rated adultish kind of stuff let's talk about one we've both been watching (laughs) Which we haven't really finished because we the, the the trial viewing, which was also I think Stars uh, yeah. Ash versus Evil Dead. We watched the first season when we first had it, I believe. Uh, we were I think we were downloading them or something like that. But then the second season rolled around. We don't have Stars, so we started doing the same piggyback, you know, marathon watching it, just like I was watching American Gods. We started catching up with Ash. Ash is not the type of show that you really. Oh my God! What what happens next? You know, Ash is just, it's it, it's candy. You, you yeah. just got to sit there. And it continues the story. It's ridiculous. It's it's more evil dead. But this season, they did something. And we only got up, what did we got up? Like, we eight, got up eight to eight like episodes? episode
1: six or seven, I yeah, think. We, but we, we there's only, like ten episodes We're totally. only
0: about three quarters into it. I'm only going to say they did a scene that's referred to as the morgue scene. <laughs> and it's the type of thing where... It is so vile and disgusting and perfect for that subject matter that you just, you're just hoping there's nobody around you watching it with you. Because yeah. people would just walk right out based on that sequence. And, and apparently he gets asked about it all the time.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Uh, I, I I don't know if it's on YouTube because I don't even think you could put something like that on YouTube.
1: No, that like they don't. Stars would have taken it down just because Stars yeah, owns
0: all that. I'm, I think I'm just you can't put clips of anything on. Yeah, their, I'm a, on I'm amazed that even like Stars that. was willing to show that scene. But again, it's perfect for that show because it is well, so. Yeah, those... It is like the most ridiculously horrific thing you can imagine for a comedy horror environment, especially if you're into Evil Dead films it's perfect and it's, it's, disgusting at the same time but uh, we have to wait now because like I said we lost unless we catch a another free preview weekend maybe we can catch up on them but yeah. uh, at this point we got to just wait for DVDs uh, because they eventually do put them out even though they're exclusive to that channel just like Netflix puts out some of their shows we're gonna have to wait I think it's actually coming out pretty soon I think it's, it's we're, we're getting pretty close to it yeah they're gonna have the third season too in October already or yeah, September so yeah. they, that's when they usually I think the end of this month is when they started they're gonna start putting those out yeah now another show show I want to talk about a little bit is Gotham, and I you know Kyle has kind of falling off the wagon, I've been kind of keeping up with it anyway, and it's interesting, it's kind of, you know, it gets a little melodramatic at times, and what I enjoy about the show is that it's probably one of the most true to, uh, how should we say this, to the spirit of comic book over the top behavior in other words the characters are yeah, cartoonish they're same. not serious super serious like marble type of characters these guys they embody the person or the character that was drawn and you might be familiar with you know the penguin is over the top the riddler is over the top they're all over the top bad guys but they take it seriously that's the thing the, yeah. the show manages to kind of write a line where they're completely serious about their roles and and the cop aspect, because remember, this is mainly a cop. Yeah, show. it's it's not like in
1: Avengers where they turn all their villains in like Earth based villains into just ter- like oh, it's a terrorist, like everybody's a terrorist. But in this, it's they they're these crazy people, and they get to be who they are in the comic. They just put them in a real life setting more. Right, like, they're not as know? campy
0: as the old uh, you know Batman. Yeah, but you Batman, can still feel the campiness. In but there is a, too, an edge to them where they are. Characters—they're such bad guy yeah, characters. They're all everybody on that show is such a good actor. I yeah, just... They're, except they're, for maybe Bruce Wayne. But yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned Bruce Wayne because I remember when the show first came out, they kept talking about how we are never going to see Batman, never, never, never going to see Batman. Yeah. This is before Batman. I get it, but I don't know if it's the ratings or whatever. But little by little, the show has been inching towards Batman. Yeah, even though it's still a kid, you know, he's a young kid. He's not an older he's not even in his 20s or anything i think he's just like in maybe 16 17 something like that yeah i feel like i mean
1: i'm not, I'm not caught up but i feel like at some point if they're smart they'll do like a time jump
0: and they'll well they, i would imagine they would only do that when the show is about to end yeah um, to kind of stick to their plan if you will but even though i honestly do not feel that they were planning on bringing the Bruce Wayne character this far ahead. I mean, yeah. again, you haven't watched it, but Raza Ghoul has yeah. been introduced. He's already kind of experimenting with being a vigilante a yeah. little tiny bit. They're hinting about it now to the point where I think the next season we're going to start to see some of his little solo trips that he's going to take into the city. So, Again, I don't know if it's just a scramble, but for ratings because they know it. Maybe they have to start wrapping it up soon. But we're heading in that direction. And again, I don't mind the main characters. They keep yeah. giving us, you know, Mister Freeze, Riddler, joke, uh, Joker. Well, Joker, <laughs> funny. Yeah, that's the most interesting character. That in my was a great actor they used, yes. and they brought him back. He's and I think they're gonna bring him back another time. Yeah, they, they said he yeah. is just amazing. And they're gonna bring Harley Quinn in too at some point. That's right. Then, but then, the, this guy who yeah. plays the Joker. It's like, you know, you for people our age now, well, not for people our age, but younger people like Kyle, for example, you know, you have your Heath Ledgers. People Kyle's age have no clue about Cesar Romero. They don't know about the, you know, the the, the different actors that played the Joker in the past. They might know a little bit about the voice acting that Mark Hamill did for the yeah. cartoons. But the main new Joker's, you know, Jared Leto yeah. now is one of the, the yeah uh, who, who I'm hoping comes back because I want to see yeah, more he, of him. But this thing... Television guy, he does it so damn good. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, like honestly, I'd say the best Joker since. Like, I mean, it's he's better than Jared Leto's interpretation, in my opinion. Well, he's
0: been allowed to play him for a considerable amount of time, as opposed to Jared Leto. Yeah, like Uh, the cameo, really, which which we didn't get much, but I wish we would have gotten more. So yeah, Gotham is one that I'll keep up with. I might not necessarily, and this goes uh, true for a lot of these shows that I watch. I might not be watching them as they are being presented. I might be catching up or, you know, on demand or anything like that. And then I can catch up with the show, which is the best way for me to watch stuff because I just can't keep up with stuff anymore. Another show that I was watching and I kind of stopped because I just ran out of time, I think, or something like that. And then Kyle started watching Preacher. I saw the first season, I believe all the way through, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And now you then binged on the first and now you're what? Into the second? yeah i'm fully caught up with preacher right now Now, had you read the comic at all i've heard
1: of it before that i watched the show but i never actually read it but i'm thinking about maybe reading it eventually
0: because i haven't seen the second season yet i keep hearing little bits and pieces about how this second season is more like where the comic should be yeah that's as opposed to an introduction yeah,
1: supposedly the the first season is supposed to be a prequel to the comic okay. And then the second season is about the characters literally searching for God.
0: Which is what the comic is which about? Which is what the comic is about. Okay. Well, again, this is one of those shows that I'm hoping once, you know, I can catch up with enough other stuff, I will turn around and grab that show. Yeah, it's, it's really good right now. Like, the I think there's only like a few episodes,
1: like three episodes left, because I think it's only 10 episodes a season. But, like, so far the first half of the season was... It was fantastic. The cinematography, like there's like all the fight scenes. There's just, and just the the, the amount of crazy and weird stuff that goes on just, The way it's presented to you, it's just
0: so interesting. It keeps you awake, you know? But like I said, I will definitely... I will be looking for this one to to continue at some point, just like I did with Gotham. Uh, Another show that only I watched for a couple of seasons now is The Leftovers. And HBO finally wrapped up the series, which was only, I think, maybe two seasons or three seasons. It was very short. Again, this is a show that is kind of weird. You know, I don't want to say... in. uh, I don't want to say in the realm of American gods but it is weird. Granted one of the creators of the show was Damon Lindelof of Lost Fame, you know, the guy's an expert at throwing us in places that we have no clue where we're at. And the the show's ongoing mystery of where what was this? What happened? What was this all about? You know, the whole situation of people just disappearing, you know, and everybody having to deal with the grief afterwards of of this small percentage of people that just disappeared overnight. I haven't read the book, and I think I'm going to read it, because I'm hoping that the book will give me a little more answers. I think I'm going to be disappointed. But the show finally, you know, wrapped up and kind of gave you an answer, more or less. I would say maybe a... (laughs) Well, it depends. It's one of these things where it's a 50% answer. You could be 50% right about what I think the answer meant, and I could be 50% wrong. So it's... There are are no real... definite answers as to what the heck was happening in this show i would say if you like lost if you like the confusion (laughs) the theorizing aspects the multiple stories and even multiple time uh, lines at certain points of stories being told this might be a good show for you. And it's only, like I said, I think it's about three seasons or two or something like that. So it's not like you have to make a major investment in, you know, 10 seasons or something like that. It's it's such a head scratcher, kind of adultish, but unfortunately, like I said, for me, it left me with questions similar to what happened with After You Watched Lost. Now, Lost lasted way longer than this show, and it did leave us with a lot of questions, and so did this show. Well, one new show I'm watching that Kyle is not hopped on yet is the mist and i remember i really enjoyed the original film the frank darabont's uh, stephen king version that he did of the mist uh, i remember clearly that how the book was different than the movie and how darabont added this little thing at the end of the movie that completely flipped people out that King never had added. And I could have swore I read interviews where King said, yeah, that made it even so much more better. The twist ending that uh, Darabont added to it. And I mean, I don't know if they're ever going to get to that point in the show. But the show is a television series, which I guess it might get renewed. I'm not sure. I'm still, I think maybe one more episode left or two more episodes, something like that. And it is pretty loyal to the story. Overall, however, they because it, the movie is only like a 2-hour movie or an hour and a half or something, what they do here is they split up the action. The movie takes place inside a supermarket. This TV show takes place in two or three different locations where people are scattered in different places as this mist is kind of rolling through the town and creating all kinds of weird havoc. In the movie, it was more physical in terms of physical animals that these bizarre mutated bizarre animals were the ones that were grabbing people and hurting people and that sort of thing but in the show yes you do have bizarre looking animals but you also have supernatural events are taking place things that are kind of pseudo-religious and almost like ghostish and it has to do with your own psyche and your own experience so they're doing a little something different here But you do have that overall feeling, that kind of Walking Dead overall feeling that there's something really bad going on. You know, we know that the military has something to do with it because in the movie it starts the same way and in the show it starts the same way. You know, you you do have some connections, but like I say, they kind of spread the characters out. The different characters, and some of them are the same, some of them are different, but they spread them into different locations. So it's I'm intrigued. I I like what I've seen so far, and I think if Kyle watched it, he would probably be into it. Now let's talk about two shows that we really didn't have a chance uh, to really go deep on them. Uh, These are the Netflix Marvel shows, the last two. I'm talking about Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Let's hit Luke Cage very briefly. What did you think of the season?
1: Yeah, I thought it was very well done the way that they interpreted the comic and the music too i love the music
0: yeah what i like about luke cage is that you know when you compare him to jessica jones and daredevil is that here you're dealing primarily with a marvel hero whose bad guys are normal humans let's say they're not super villains in terms of superpower villains Granted, later in the season they did put him up against a guy that has enhanced, like a, an enhanced suit or something. That yeah, he can, he's very strong to kind of ma- be able to match him. But the main bad guy, the main actor, the gangster, he was absolutely great. I, I loved him and and you know the whole progression of his character. He's kind of like a Scarface kind of character. Yeah, he's
1: in. He's gonna be in a lot of movies now. Oh, he
0: was. He was nominated. He I don't know yeah, if he won or he not. He was
1: nominated for like Best Supporting Actor, I think, or something. Yeah,
0: he, I, he might have actually won. I'm not entirely sure. Now he's rumored for uh, Green Lantern, uh, John Stewart, <laughs> too. Jeez. But uh, it was cool how that character, you learn about how he was young and how he got involved in crime and how he became this top, you know, gangster. And the thing about Luke Cage is that, and this is something with superheroes, is that just like, let's say, uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones, they're kind of keeping it local. In other words, these are not the type of superheroes, at least because they're in television, I guess, and they're focusing them in that manner as opposed to the Avengers on the television where they're fighting super beings from other planets and they're, they're combining and going to different locations all over the world, all over the universe or whatever. These are local guys. And just like the other two, he is local to his particular area and how he seems to want to focus on what's happening in his town. And he seems to be kind of more interested in the low-level crime. He's, you know, he's not a a going after the, uh, you know, the kingpin even, you know, even though the the lead gangster is this character, is this actor who's, uh, you know, like I said, very good. But the, the fact that they keep it local, it's really cool. I like the actor. He's pretty good at it. We've already seen him before this because he did a an introduction during Jessica Jones. So we kind of got a preview of him already. So now he's got his own thing. The second show that we watched was Iron Fist that came after Luke Cage. What did you think of Iron Fist? I liked it too. Like, Apparently, like all the reviews, like a lot of
1: people didn't like it, but I, I loved it. I don't know what their issue was. I mean, I could see like it was a lot like Daredevil in terms of like the martial arts aspect, but it had a different flair to yeah, it. Yeah, because... well, it had
0: the whole Asian mystic flavor because that's his Background. That's yeah. that's where he kind of comes from. I absolutely love and again, I don't know why it is. These shows, the bad guys are just the actors are yeah. super. I loved not the main bad guy, but the son of the main bad guy. Yeah. The guy was such a bastard, and I love them. He was so good at being yeah. a creep and a it was just great seeing him and, and you could tell this guy is going to get other jobs and it's going to I'm always going to be yeah. comparing him now to this performance because yeah, he's so always, damn good I always
1: say he looks like that guy from SNL The uh, yeah Fred Armistice he looks a lot
0: like Fred Armistice like is that Fred Armistice like, I know oh. <laughs> and he was really he, he, his father was good I mean we've seen him before and actually we saw him uh, he, was of of the, yeah, he was in Pirates yeah he's in Pirates of the Caribbean right, yeah. he plays the British guy and he, half these guys are British and you can't even tell because they give an interview and all of a sudden they have a British accent like oh my yeah. god how do they do those acts? yeah the
1: daredevil's british yeah and then the uh,
0: iron fist i think is british too yeah he's again his character is a little weird he he's not like any other pre-superhero or even superhero yeah, character. He, he, he has, he's like, kind of goofy looking and he acts goofy because he's kind of like uh you know it's the fish uh, out of water thing where he comes back yeah. to the city and he's not used to all these yeah, more he, modern his, type of things and his
1: powers are linked to like mystical Reasons, while the other characters are all either
0: science experiments or accidents, right? And this is definitely a guy that is more in the mystical side. You know, his even the bad guys, even though a lot of them are just like yakuza or or Chinese gangsters. Yeah, there is the whole thing about the hand and the, the same hand group that we met with daredevil they're deep 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 in this one yeah and the, i mean madam Gao is in
1: this and she was in the first season of daredevil too right and she's working are, for kingpin
0: yes and we already saw some trailers already because we have defenders coming yeah in a little bit like, in, like two weeks right now less than two weeks and we're also going to get a little bit of punisher in defenders along with his own series which we can't wait ever since we saw him on the second season he pretty much stole the second season of uh, daredevil yeah he was just perfect actor for the punisher great interpretation of of that particular character let's talk a little bit about rebels we wrapped up the season a while back it seems at this point during um celebration this past spring uh, they yeah. announced that this was going to be the final season coming up yeah, which they, was a shock to they everybody also
1: showed the first episode of the next season which i got to see with amanda so. oh i never i didn't yeah. see it so it's I a have... two-parter for the first half for the first episode so we only got to see the first part i don't we think we, we ever talked
0: about this no and i think i told you to keep quiet because i wanted to uh, i want to see it on my own i don't yeah i won't anything. say anything but uh but the let's just quickly uh, say that the big highlight of this past season was the obi-wan duel with darth maul yes where they finally brought darth maul back just to basically to finish him off and the way that that duel took place was at tatooine yeah and then at the end of it we actually see i think obi-wan looking in the distance yeah
1: and you see luke running Yeah, yeah so
0: it was like oh my god and You could kind—I guess—that's probably the sign that this show is about to end because they're allowed to do something like that. I don't know exactly how far they're going to go this season in terms of what other stories. The fact that we—we will Ahsoka make a final another appearance, or she is—it's confirmed, or did we completely lose her? Something's going to happen, but they haven't said. maybe she's a forced ghost. Maybe she's a flashback. Maybe she's back. Who knows? I don't know.
1: I just. I mean, I hope that she's just not, like, a weird force ghost thing or some... Like, if they're going to have her back, they need to have her, like, back as something tangible and something that, like... Like, people were saying, oh, maybe she's she turns into a wolf or she turns into a
0: bird. I'm no, like, no please, I think they please said that's, don't. that's ridiculous. Yeah, because
1: if they do that, that would just be awful. I would probably just be upset the
0: only other thing i think that we know a little bit because the feloni hinted it out in one of the i think it was one of the panels was that they are going to bring captain rex dressed up as an endor type of trooper and the mystery now is they're going back and forth on twitter some of the writers whether it's confirmed that he is that same character from return of the jedi which i hope he is and We'll see. That'll be a nice little yeah. thing, a little I, gift uh, for us. And
1: I, I just, I, I know I've said this before, probably when we did our celebration thing, but the fact that they're ending the show on season four, I wholeheartedly do not believe that that was Dave Filoni's intent. I believe that was Disney because Disney doesn't allow any of their shows to last more than four or five seasons because they want to keep recycling things it's like, a
0: shame because it's It once again you we're going to get that feeling of getting the rug pulled like literally, from literally
1: they just rebooted the spider-man show again where they're starting with a whole new origin story again this is the, like the third time in the past five six years that they're doing it again well That's they ridiculous. did
0: introduce after celebration that other micro series what was it called yeah, destinies forces of destiny have did you, you seen them,
1: them? i i think i've watched all of them
0: i, think. I don't think i've se- i don't have seen they're, any they're, of them
1: the thing like here's my opinion on them they're The art, you can tell they kind of rushed it with the art. They just wanted to pull something out of their butt with the, like the art. Like the stories are great, but you can also, they kind of really take like the the female empowerment part and they kind of really throw it in your face about it. Yeah. Like a lot, like, and it's not, to me, it doesn't bother me so much, but I can tell like for other people, it's going to bother them. And like. But there there are
0: no signs of that being an an ongoing long-term
1: thing, Right. I don't think so. Like I, I haven't heard anything about a season two. My I mean, biggest
0: problem is that I don't mind them coming up with new series. Yeah, I just don't like them telling you that what you're watching now is over or it's about to end and not telling you what comes next. Yeah, I, they. I always feel they should have something in the wings ready to give you. Yeah, they So sh- in other words, yeah. season five ends. Season one begins of whatever comes next. Maybe that's yeah, the plan. I, Maybe it's, this it's this the, year the they problem, announce. The problem. I'm telling you, it's not. Dave Filoni's in charge of
1: all the animated stuff, but he works for the higher-ups at Disney. And, oh, no, he works for Lucasfilm. Well, yeah, he works for he works for Kathleen Kennedy, and right. then, then, then Disney's on top of that. Right. But I'm telling you, it's Disney that's making these things short and being extra secretive about things. Yeah, but if, if,
0: if Disney will forever keep doing this four-season thing or three-season thing or whatever, I'm sure Filoni and all the... Lucasfilm yeah, they, people knew that when the when Disney bought you and when they decided to create a new show, most likely it was only going to last that long. I don't think it would. I don't think it should I, I mean, be. A I don't, I don't
1: think. I don't think Dave Filoni wants to end it at season four, but that's what he signed
0: up for. Yeah, that's what he. So signed they, up they
1: for. knew it was going to come down to this, but I don't. I do not believe that he wanted to for it to.
0: Well, come Well, like down I said, if if they're smart and they have to be smart. Sometime next year, while this season, this final season is taking place, they will have to tell us what's next. And, and, I, and it should be right in there
1: waiting for yeah, us. And I also, I believe that, I mean, this is also just my personal opinion. I think at some point Disney's just going to try to edge away from the 3D Star Wars stuff. Because I think they want to do just like a, like the, the 2D sketch animations like they did with Forces of Destiny. I think they want to do that permanently because that's how most of their all their other shows oh
0: are you're like talking that. about the animation yeah the only see i haven't seen it so it's you're saying it's more two-dimensional it
1: more, is two-dimensional
0: more, um, it's 100 percent two-dimensional old style cartoonish yes
1: but they're what what they're gonna Less cgi-ish yeah there's no there's no computer i mean there might be computerly right, drawn but, it's, but not it's not three-dimensionally it's not, dimensional. It's not at saying. all like rebels it's it's just flat flat okay and i believe that maybe this is like a test for them to eventually just move on completely because they want to save money that they're just going to, because the, all the other shows are
0: like, ru- are like that. They're all rushed yeah, two-dimensional yeah. crap. Oh, well, we'll see. Now, and, another show that yeah. Kyle has been watching that I haven't even tried yet is Turn, which is a historical, yeah. you know, period piece type of show. Tell us it's, about that.
1: There's literally only one episode left and it comes out next week.
0: Oh, you're almost, but, now is, it this, was, is this a season finale or a series finale? Series yet? finale. Oh, that's a big deal. Yeah, right?
1: it's, Turn, it's uh, about, the Revolutionary War. And how many seasons on are we AMC? With? This is the, it's ending with season 4. This is the last season. This is season 4. Yes. Okay. And I watched it on Netflix. Like I started watching like I watched the first episode like 2 years ago <laughs> and I was like and I thought it was cool but then I never got back to it but then this summer I like the beginning of the summer. I decided to, tr- to try again and I got through season two on Netflix. Well, finished finish season one, finish season two, finish season three. And then I finished season three right before season four started. I was like, Oh wow. Season four is about to start tomorrow. So then I watched season four and it's a very good show. I, I mean the cinematography, like it's basic AMC quality, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just like, like the drama. I like it. It's, I mean, it's not really a genre show but I, I like it it's just a very nice show and uh, and you really get to feel attached to a lot of the characters even the bad guys in the show and there's a lot of historical stuff and I like history so this really works well and um, I'm gonna miss this
0: show once it's over but there's only one episode left so well one show that is completely <laughs> couldn't be any more different than this one, is one I just started watching recently, and I think it's only four episodes. It's an animated show in Netflix called Castlevania, which from what I understand, it's based on a video game? I, I don't know. I think it was an anime, I think. An I anime? Well, it's it's definitely anime looking, and it's a, it's a Dracula kind of storyline. It's very adultish in terms of the, the style of the art, the subject matter, and it's very short. And it's depending on what you're... <laughs> how much you love or hate uh, anime in my particular case uh, I love I-, I like enough of it that this show kind of fits that bill I wish I actually wish it would have been longer I wish it would have been at least six eight episodes but if this is just a tease of what's coming I like to see more I can't wait i I tried watching Voltron. And it's really, I just find it kind of silly, like they're kind of like the original. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not chasing that type of anime show around as much. But this one, because it is horror theme and it's Dracula, it's like, wow, I I haven't really seen, you know, most anime that I've I've seen is usually science fiction or fantasy, uh, but not a lot of times do you see the horror theme, you know, a classic horror theme being portrayed in that manner. So I, I kind of enjoy that. Well, let me just hit another one that Kyle has been watching that, again, I started watching similar like Preacher, and then I kind of fell off. And now Kyle has been catching up, and he's getting pretty close to where I fell off. Uh, hell on wheels. Yeah, I, it's
1: ended like for the like two years now, I think it's been <laughs> it's been over. But I just finished season four today. So now I'm on the last season, which is season five, but I haven't started watching season five yet. But at first, like the first three seasons, I, I really liked. And then season four, like the beginning of season four, it's just been, it's just taken this like downward dump because they're just, they're killing off most of the cast. They like literally, there's only maybe three or four people that are left from the very beginning of the show. And it's. Like, I, at first, I really liked it, the drama and the history and stuff. And I still like the history and the world building that they have there with, like... I mean, even though it was an actual, like, area
0: in, in history, Well, it's but, based on on somewhat of a history. Yeah, and realm. I've read,
1: like, also online some articles... Yeah, I don't like, know how, how true some, those characters some of, like, are. Some of the characters, they're not actual people, but, like, some of them are, some of them aren't. And then some of them are actually... Some of those characters are a mix of other characters from specific accounts of people that worked right. on the railroad... And they just
0: mixed a couple of them together. I remember I was... I, I watched that show because it reminded me a little bit... Or at least the, the, the hopes what that was that it would be a little bit like uh, Deadwood. Deadwood's a show I used to watch on HBO. Wonderful Western series that HBO put together with Tom Oliphant... From Justified, and he's the guy from uh, American Gods, Ian McShane. That's the name, Ian McShane. Those two were the leads, and those two have, they still have great careers now, uh, but they played excellent Western characters. And I, I remember i that's how I started with this show. And it's funny because this show, the lead character, you were telling me the other day, he's now the lead character in, in Humans. And I'm like, and he's not if, even gonna talk. Well, well but all, it, it, to me, I couldn't tell because I'm looking at him and he doesn't have the beard, yeah. but you could see those blue eyes, and I'm like, that guy looks yeah,
1: like the way his mouth, yeah, like, it's his like, resting face. Well, is you've never seen see his
0: face it. without a beard, and I'm like, part of his face looks familiar, but I can't place the yeah. bottom of his face. <laughs> but it's interesting that I mean, we'll yeah. see if that. I mean, if it's only one more season, again, this might be one of those shows, you know, on the shelf that I'll have to eventually catch yeah, up. Yeah, have finish you? Up. What? Where did you leave off? I don't even
1: remember. You don't remember remember at all?
0: I don't. It's been such a long time. Yeah,
1: season five is where I'm at now. So
0: let's hit the last set of shows and let's hit them all together because they're kind of all interrelated. Let's talk about Flash, Arrow, and Legends. Yeah,
1: Flash is great. Arrow has gotten better than... Like season four, the only good thing about season four, in my opinion, was Constantine in that one episode that he came back for. (laughs) And then everything else was just kind of eh. But then this season... Like literally every single episode that came from the beginning to end just got better and better and better and better. And I can't wait for season six now because they're going to have Deathstroke's going to be back because they're they finally bringing back and they're bringing back a lot more classic Green Arrow stuff. Like I feel like at some point, maybe they'll give him the goatee like he does in the comics. And yeah, Flash next season, they're not going to have a speedster villain this time. It's going to be The Thinker, I think his name is. Uh, so I I don't really know anything about him, so this would be interesting to see. And then Legends of Tomorrow, they're I mean Legends of Tomorrow. Honestly, it's 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 total garbage. But I just I like <laughs> I like I like. It's it's just it's fun. It's like it's like it's like with Ash. It's candy. It's, it's just superhero candy. It's comfort know? food. Yeah, <laughs> but it's in, going to Cracker Barrel. Season,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the Cracker Barrel of television yeah, shows.
1: It's just the because they keep breaking their own time rules. And honestly, I don't care. I just it's fun watching superheroes beat up things but like there's rumors it's not really rumors that the actual people on the show are trying to get Constantine to come into yeah I saw season. it I saw that they're and, still trying and if they're if they if they can do pull that off that will just
0: oh man. and it's funny because you know that is not going to save the show that is not going to make the show any better no but, it would but just be there awesome. are fans like yourself which yeah. is dying to like, see literally
1: that literally this show is is basically for like they anything that they that didn't they can't put on arrow or else we screw up the story <laughs> they throw it over there <laughs> because legends of tomorrow every episode is like a completely different episode so they can just like, toss whatever they wanted. Like, literally, they took all the villains that were like killed off oh, and they geez. put them as the villains for Legends of Tomorrow last season.
0: It's like the bonus round. <laughs> they for had all of Reverse
1: them. Flash, Malcolm Merlin, and um, Damien Dark all working together as the Legion of Doom. <laughs> but now they're making a new Legion of Doom with Damien Dark again, oh, but with their own, with more, ma- it was like a magical ones because well, the next season's gonna be about magic you know so yeah i
0: wish we had uh more information uh, or any information on supergirl because i started watching it i was yeah. enjoying it uh but i kind of lost track of it and kyle also lost track yeah, they so ju- apparently really like push- the
1: last uh the last episode they had they had zod and superman yeah but i just the thing is, is like like part of me wants to just go and watch it I mean, not now because summer's almost over. I'm going to college. I'm not going to have that much time to binge watch that stuff. But part of me, like, they, they had Cyborg Superman where they literally just glued on a piece of metal <laughs> onto onto the guy that plays the military dude. Yeah, not and Superman, that's, that's what happens. They swap bodies. And I'm like, what the heck is it's that? perfectly and then, normal. And the Red
0: Tornado looked like a freaking Power Ranger villain. And it was just disgusting. Yeah, dis- I remember disgusting. that. That was, that was weird. Now, before we finish, let's just do a quick drive-by <laughs> At uh, Walking Dead and, and Fear of the Walking Dead, we're still in the midst of the Negan years, I guess. It feels like years. It's I, like I, the Nixon years, but the Negan years. It, <laughs> I, I I imagine that come next season, we might see at some point the the end of Negan and moving on to whoever is the next best biggest bad guy. I enjoyed the uh, the different tribes kind of coming together and fighting each other and and trying to form alliances i enjoyed that but the show is the show is suffering obviously i think we're still recovering from the glenn <laughs> incident yeah. from the from the previous season i think and they did tease us with a new trailer that's coming you know in october you know when the show yeah. returns and we saw this what they call the old man Rick with Rick in a bed with a huge yeah. Santa Claus beard on him or something, which yeah. don't tell me what it means. I, I'm sure you I, already know. I, I don't
1: know. How, I mean, I kind of think I know. But well, I don't not ta- let's know not, not talk I won't about say it. Anything, but.
0: And fear walking dead is another show that I kept up with just for the hell of it. Really? Kyle kind of gave up, but he jumped on a little bit. Yeah. I, I might. He hopped in, in and out it, a little because it's it's, enter- it's, it's you know, okay, we'll see where it goes. Because, like, uh, like, the
1: critics are saying, like, now that it's really good.
0: It had some really interesting, what should we call them, turn, twists and turns. You know, uh, yeah. the, the current season, uh, the, well, we're in a mid-season, actually, right now. I yeah, think. yeah. There's, it kind of ended with a, uh, uh, it was a, it was this whole, like, militia group. You know, they were living out, uh, even before the apocalypse, they were living out by themselves. And now they're, like perfectly uh, suited for this kind of world. But they were fighting like Native American tribes. They were fighting over the same land. So it it almost had this Western feel to it because they were trying to kind of position the characters in that manner. So, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, uh, when things are slow, you know, on the weekends, uh, there's not much going on. Except for Game of Thrones that, you know, I've been religiously watching that show. and I absolutely love it. And that show requires an entire... uh, To me, Game of Thrones is like Harry Potter. I really can't fully talk about it because there's so much about it that I forget. There's so many characters. (laughs) There's so many plots. I know I like it and I love the acting. I love the actors. But I could not tell you who's who... And what's the name of the uh, of this group and that group? It's just too complicated, but it's fun. So the people that enjoy Game of Thrones, I don't have to tell you about it. You guys know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up uh, for our, our latest uh, television wrap-up. Until next time. You can collect them all. You are a toy! Batteries not included wonderful toys details on specially marked packages at participating stores is that the six million dollar man's boss it's oscar goldman why do you have that that's worth a lot of money that's much more valuable than steve Boss. action figures each sold separately hi i'm chucky and i'm your friend to the end some assembly required
1: all your favorite star wars heroes and villains i have three of each one to display one to open and one just in case
0: For today's collectible segments, we are going to take a quick look at the 12-inch Star Wars figure line. I don't know if you can call this the doll line, not so much action figure, because they're not small. They're the 12-inch figures. These are highly articulated figures, and the manner in which I started collecting them, and the manner in which I'm going to talk about them, is kind of in reverse. Let me start off with the classic Kenner ones that I have from, you know, the beginning of the collection, you know, back in the 70s. And as I said before, I kind of got these later. I first got the more modern ones, and then I started being interested in the older ones, you know, just to kind of compare, you know, how they progressed in their Building and sculpting and all that stuff. And initially, I believe I probably started with a C3PO of the modern ones, but that kind of led me to want to have an original C3PO, you know, an 77 uh, C3PO. Again, I'm not sure if they exactly came out in 77 or not. Obviously, nothing came out until 78, <laughs> maybe even later. But the original star wars figures again just like anything else a little less detail than normal and normal being what we have nowadays you have your c-3po which it's funny because the way that they molded him the way that they sculpted him is very unusual in the way that the arms are laid out they're very straight kind of facing down there is no real articulation other than the five point articulation that you're used to getting with figures so you can kind of say that maybe they try to replicate the action figure in a larger format and the materials look very much like it you know the vac metalized golden tone of the actual figure matches very much what you have on the little figure the only thing is that the hands and the arms don't seem to be in as much of an articulated pose as you have with the smaller figure he's kind of stiff in terms of you know you can move the arms up and down but there is almost no elbow bend whatsoever on him so Believe it or not, the small figure seems to be a much better uh, representation of the character (laughs) than the larger one. With that said, it is a very well-made figure for its time. The companion piece to C-3PO obviously is your R2-D2, which, again, looks very much like your action figure. However, unlike the action figure where all the detail of the body is basically a sticker that kind of wraps itself around the, the droid, for the 12 inch version you have the same exact articulation plus here's where they did a really great thing is in the back you have a compartment that you can actually remove what claims to be the death star plans let's say so there's a couple of little plastic uh, squares that you can actually kind of flip open a little door you press i believe in the front in one of the little sculpted Details in the front, you press on that, and the back pops open, and you can actually take those pieces and put them in, which is a cute little addition to something, uh, you know, that is that size, and again, it is very very well done when you compare them to a modern one which i'll be talking about in a little later it's pretty darn close you know how how cool they got it how close they got it to what what nowadays they put out the figure again you're dealing with the plastics the coloring the dome you know the the silver chrome you know with the blues and all those colors they're all there and the sculpting of all the details in the front and the back of the body it's all sculpted which is wonderful Another one I picked up around that time, which is not too long ago, to tell you the truth, is the Chewbacca one. Now the one I have is missing the bandolier and the gun. And a lot of these I was able to purchase cheaper than usual because, again, I go for the cheaper ones. And in the process, sometimes, most times, as a matter of fact, you end up missing out on certain accessories or, or things that come with the figure in order to get it for a cheaper price. You know, sometimes you see some of these prices for these accessories and they, they will cost more than what I spend on the actual figure itself. But my Chewbacca is basically a naked Chewbacca, which which is Chewbacca. Chewbacca is a naked character. Like I said, no bandolier, no bowcaster. The actual mold, now I can tell you for sure, but because this was Kenner, before they produced these figures, these large size figures, one of their bigger brands was the $6 million man. So... A lot of people say that the Chewbacca looks a lot, a lot like the Bigfoot character that they had already manufactured a while back. And it doesn't surprise me when you look at them, you're like, wow, it looks like like the same sculptor uh, might have worked on these two, because they're really uh, close to, you know, the way that they were made. One of the most recent ones that I've gotten is a Stormtrooper. The Stormtrooper is a little unusual in the proportions in terms of when you compare him to the smaller figure, let's say. It's kinda very stocky, uh, very symmetrical. It doesn't seem to have the proportions of a body really being inside that suit. It's very almost robotic, almost dummy-like, you know, the way that it's standing. Even though the figure is not the greatest of all figures, it is kind of like a stiff kind of figure, the, the smaller one this one looks even stiffer and, and a little more difficult to imagine that you can actually fit a person inside of it once again you have four points of articulation here just like Chewbacca because you can't move Chewbacca's head and you can't move the stormtrooper's head either just like on the action figure uh, the stormtrooper comes with a special stormtrooper rifle which again I didn't get the rifle, didn't come with it. That's why I was able to get it cheap. I also own a Darth Vader. Now the Darth Vader, luckily I was able to get him with the cape, but I am missing the lightsaber. And yes, I would like to have the lightsaber, but the thing was that I, from what I've seen and I remember, the lightsabers that came with these particular figures were very out of proportion. They made him shorter shorter. And a different diameters, depending on what part of the lightsaber you're looking at. So I think that had to do maybe for some kind of safety reasons. They didn't want to make them too long. So maybe, I don't know, somebody will poke themselves in the eye or something. I don't know. But again, you know, in order to save some money, I was able to purchase this one without the lightsaber. The final one I got, and I think some of these I might have gotten as a set. It was like maybe, I don't know, X amount of dollars. And you get three of them or four of them or something like that. The last one I got was Boba Fett. Now Boba Fett is a great... <laughs> Character. Obviously, it's one of those most popular, mysterious characters that came around. I remember there was even a commercial for the Boba Fett. And actually, some of these other ones, they had commercial for most of them. But what's interesting about my Boba Fett, again, I'm missing a lot of it. I, I don't have the uh, the cape. I don't have the gun. I don't have the belt. You know, I don't have a lot of the the accessories, jetpack, stuff like that. I don't have that. I have the ba- just the bare bones. What's interesting about the Boba Fett is that you can look behind his head and kind of poke through a little hole that is supposed to give you almost like a periscopic view. So he can kind of see far away or something like that, which is silly. It's a gimmick, and again, like Chewbacca, I believe it's a leftover feature from the Six Million Dollar Man. The Six Million Dollar Man line had a feature where a certain Six Million Dollar Man figure you could look in the back of his head, and you could kind of replicate his bionic sight by looking through the back of his head, through the front of his head, you know, through some kind of little miniature telescope, and you're supposed to be able to see far away. I couldn't tell you if that worked or not. This one, it's kind of silly, but again, it's leftovers, basically. And this is the figure that out of all the ones that I have of the original ones, this is the one that I'm probably missing the most parts out of them. I don't have any of the human figures. I don't have the Leia, the Luke, or the Han. The Han, as probably most of you know, the body was uh, eventually recycled for the Indiana Jones 12-inch figure. But I don't have any of those. I haven't collected them. I prefer, just like with most of my focus collections, droids and creatures, because those are the ones that I at least feel look the best. Now, granted, I know that Vader and Boba Fett are not droids, and neither are are stormtroopers. They're not creatures. But because they are wearing armor, you know, they do have somewhat of a robotic look. So it is better, as far as I'm concerned, for the sculptor to be able to replicate certain looks as opposed to when you're dealing with humans that you then have to go, for example, the Luke or the Leia, they have to go into human uh, doll modes, and sometimes it's very difficult to get the proper mold. Luke and Leia are okay molds. Han Solo is Excellent. They did an amazing job with Han Solo in his likeness as far as I'm concerned, but I don't have him. I also don't have the Jawa, which is one that maybe one day I'll get because it is a kind of cool looking figure. Uh, I know that it, uh, again, accessories uh, might be difficult to locate the gun. Hopefully it would have the robe because it does have the exterior cloth robe, I believe. And the final one they put out for the Empire Strikes Back is the IG-88, which I believe is one of the hardest ones to find. Again, I never owned that one. Very hard to find, very expensive, very rare, but I never got around finding those. Now, those are the originals. Those are the classic ones that I go hunting every now and then for, you know, the missing ones, see what's out there, hopefully to find a bargain sometime. But as I explained earlier, the way that I started collecting these was by first collecting the modern ones. And at one point, I remember my focus collection and everything is about focus collection. Unless you're a completist and you just get everything that moves and walks, you have to become a focus collector because that's the only way that you can narrow down the expense, the storage, the display, you know, just the time to look for these things. And at one point, I remember I was buying a lot of 12-inch Troopers, Imperial Uniform Troopers. So I remember I had, uh, you know, Stormtrooper, Sandtrooper, TIE Fighter pilot, you name it. If it had a uniform, especially the original trilogy, I would try to get it. But at the same time, I was also collecting droids. I was focusing my collection also on droids. Now, as the troopers kind of started dwindling down and I stopped collecting those, I continued with droids and droids. They are so well-made. The sculpting is just fantastic. The uh, features are great. Let's start with your basic R2-D2 and C-3PO. C-3PO, for the modern version, and I'm talking about the 90s, when you know when the, the line picked up again and they started going crazy with, with the Star Wars line. This is before the prequels. They put out a ton of really well-made 12-inch figures. The C-3PO, like I said before, you know when comparing them to Kenner, The Hasbro version of C-3PO is really, really good. He has a certain angular portions of his hands, of his arm, his neck even, his legs also, the way that they are adjustable. And again, keep in mind, we're dealing with five points here. We're still in the five point mode you know, of articulation, and it works perfectly. You can pose them in a way that he looks like it's just like a shot from the movie. You know, you could kind of picture him doing a certain, you know, these certain movements. uh, That is perfect. So I believe they actually at one point might have made a C-3PO whose eyes light up. I think that might have been the only variation out there, you know, at first, when they first started coming out with these. With R2-D2, they made a lot of them. Uh, They made a ton of them. There's your regular R2-D2. Now, what was cool about R2-D2s in this modern wave, this Hasbro wave, was they actually gave him the third leg. This third leg that was missing for so many years. Granted, you could get a third leg in Kenner when you bought the Droid factory. (laughs) You could could actually assemble your own R2-D2 and insert that third leg in order to be able to properly display him. Like, he sometimes, you know, rolls around. Well, here in the 12-inch mode, all these astromech droids and we'll talk about the different ones they all have that capability of being able to pull out that third leg so you have an r2d2 that is just plain and simple r2d2 there's one where you press a button and his red eye lights up there's one that has all these little compartments where you have all the attachments all the accessories that he has the little cutting blade the little lightning zap thing that he zaps the Ewoks with. The tool that makes him interact with the Death Star computer. You know, all those little accessories, they made one like that. They made another one that is supposed to be kind of like a dirty R2-D2. And Dirty, I mean. (laughs) He's not disgusting. He is more like uh, full of dirt, (laughs) basically. He's dirty. Kind of Dagobah-ish dirty, or maybe even Endor-ish dirty. Kind of dirt on, you know, on the bottom part of his body. Now, around the same time, they put out a... R5D for which is great again another astromech with a third leg not any accessories attached to him But he does have that little antenna that you know, he has so that was kind of cool around the time that the um, Prequel started coming out. They put out a green astromech and this is from Phantom Menace when all those astromechs are being blown off the hull of uh, Princess Amidala's ship and, you know, they're all being blown off. And then the last one is R2 that survives that whole thing. Well, one of them is that green one, I believe. And they made him, again, it looks wonderful. they made an excellent job. Again, it's just, it's basically the same art. You just repainted. You know, it's no big deal. They also made a few smaller droids that they're a little more hard to find because they usually came with a set of something else. So in other words, you would buy a... You know, a twelve-inch figure, and it would come with a little accessory of, of an extra droid. Well, some of these extra droids include the mouse droid. I got one of the little mouse droids. It is in proportion to the rest of them. Not much to go around in terms of features. It's basically a little mouse. Droid. It's got a little little wheels on the bottom, so you can kind of roll it around. Uh, you also have the torture droid. He also came with a, another one of these twelve-inch ones. It is. Unusual because there's no way really of mounting him to be able to put him somewhere. So I actually had to create a, a special display with a little stick so he kind of hovers high, which is what he's supposed to be doing, flying. Around the time of the special editions, they also created another one of these Imperial droids that is kind of hovering above the shoulder of the Sand Trooper while they're interrogating Luke and Ben. They made that one too. And again, I had to create a little special thing for him. And I believe they also made a from Phantom Menace, uh, I think it's supposed to be kind of like a cleaning droid, which is kind of similar to the mouse droid, just a little bigger. And if it looks like a little yellow taxi cab. Uh, I believe he might have came with a Anakin figure. But those are the, uh, the, you know, when we're dealing with Astromechs. Now, the good thing is that they also made protocol droids another tall-ish type of droids. For Phantom Menace, they did TC-14. Uh, TC-14 is basically the same as a C-3PO mold, except it has some, uh, it's all silver, chrome silver, looks gorgeous and it has an additional feature of where you can press the button and the thing talks the eyes light up just like it did in the movie it has some of the lines from the movie so that's a wonderful wonderful addition to the figure that they were able to encapsulate all these miniature electronics so you can actually have extra features The other one they did for Phantom Menace is the, what I guess it could be referred to as the naked C-3PO, which is C-3PO before he has all his coverings and he's just basically wires, wires and servos and that sort of thing. That one also has a lot of lines that it delivers. But one of the biggest problems with that particular 12-inch figure is that because it does have way more articulation than the other ones. It has knees and I believe it might even have elbow articulations. And because the frame is much thinner, And because you have so much articulation, it's a little more difficult to keep him upright. There's too much possible articulation that might give up on you and the figure will fall. The other problem is that in the back of the chest area, on his back there's a box where you can kind of hold, you know, the batteries that you need, because this particular one has very big interchangeable batteries, and that is another thing that gives the character a little more weight, and makes it even more difficult to balance and pose, because it's being, you know, it's being pushed backwards by these batteries, so that's one that's always difficult to pose, I ended up like sitting him down, you know, displaying him in certain manners, but again, The technology was so well that they were able to put all these electronics inside and make him talk and his eyes light up and all that stuff. Now, going a little backwards into the more of the uh, Hasbro line, even before the Phantom Menace came out, they came out with the what would be considered to be the Death Star droid. Now, let's remember the Death Star droid is a confusing title for an action figure because in the Kenner line, the Death Star droid is a silver, somewhat bug-like head-looking droid. And the picture they used is the picture of the a droid that is sitting inside the Jawa transport vehicle that is just sitting there and he's kind of silverish. Problem is that that is not the Death Star droid that you see in the movie in the Death Star. I know they made some kind of, backstory that well maybe he was part of the Death Star and they he was discarded or blah 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 whatever they try to retcon something out of it but I believe when you say Death Star droid you're talking about a droid that looks just like that one but he's all black like like dark gray and black and that is the real Death Star droid that we see walking through the Death Star as Luke and Han are kind of escorting Chewbacca to the prison area that's the one they made as a 12-inch figure at one point looks fantastic the the sculpt is beautiful it doesn't have that chromey shiny gold or silver that c-3po has but it has a similar body sculpt but obviously because he's not you know that kind of metal they did uh, did a great job with him he even has little antennas coming out of the side which is wonderful they also made four lom uh one of the bounty hunters from empire he is Again, the um, from the neck down, it's a protocol droid's body. It is not gold or silver. Uh, this one is also a very dark gray with some green and like reddish highlights. So he looks like very beat up, old, weird metal that these things are encased in. And, the, and it also has that weird looking bug head, like giant fly head thing attached to it, which, you know, I still don't understand exactly what it is. Is it a creature? Is it a droid? I mean, it's got a droid body, but it seems to have a creature head. I don't know. Then you have IG-88, again from Empire. This is the one that I never was able to find from the original Kenner line. They made a Hasbro one. The Hasbro one is fantastic. The proportions are great. It has the two gigantic guns he's holding. He's taller than every other 12-inch figure, so this one might be, I don't know, maybe 14 inches long or tall or something like that. And it also has this extra ability that is a little troublesome because again trying to stand him up sometimes it's a little difficult the legs extend so that you can adjust to his height to make him a little more closer to the rest of the 12 inches or you can fully make them go up you know his knees kind of get encased inside the rest of his legs, so you can slide him up or slide him down a little bit to make him a little taller a little shorter he's a great figure but again because of the height and because of the weight and the awkwardness of the figure itself, sometimes it's a little hard to keep them straight and not have them kind of go into short mode (laughs) because of that. The other one, the final one of the larger ones, and this one is no, just like IG-88 is not a protocol droid, is a General Grievous one they made, which was probably one of the last ones when it came to this size figures. This is a great, great figure it is amazing what they did with it it has all the lightsabers that he's collecting he's got his forearms that that you can keep them together or spread them apart he's got this beautiful red blood crimson robe and silver on the other side he's got the the hook talon feet the legs are completely super articulated. It is just a, a fantastic representation of that character in that size. Unfortunately, yeah, because he is so incredibly skinny and thin articulated, it is nearly impossible. To keep him upright. What I had is one of those doll holders. Those metal holders that you can kind of put a little thing around the neck area or under the arms to keep him. So you can do that. This way you can pose him in whichever way you want to pose him. And the whole thing doesn't just collapse on you. So it's kind of cool. But he was the last one of the of the prequel era ones. And around that time is when they kind of stopped with the 12-inch line. The 12-inch line kind of died after that. They didn't bother making any more. They could have made more. They were more. You know, I had some uh, battle droids, you know, but again, I don't really display those anymore. Those are practically impossible to keep upright. They were so skinny and, and, and they would just fall apart all the time. They made a number of them. You know, you change the color here, change the color there. He's a different droid. And then they made a super battle droid, I remember, at one point. Again, not bad. Pretty... Pretty good looking. Again, very difficult to stand because uh, the proportions were just too top heavy and very skinny in the bottom. Uh, very hard to keep them up, basically. But like I said, after uh, Revenge of the Sith, they kind of they gave up on the twelve inch figures. They stopped kind of making them. They kind of said, "All right, you know what? Let the high end collectible stores deal with that size." So it kind of reverted back to. Sideshow and Gentle Giant, you know. But, but, you know, when you're dealing with that, you're dealing with hundreds of dollars, you know, and these are no longer of the quality of the ones I'm talking about. Now, granted, a lot of them are, you know, cloth and uh, poseable and that sort of thing, you know, detachable heads, interchangeable heads, interchangeable hands, that sort of thing. Really high-end stuff that not necessarily is a statue or, you know, made out of, you know, some kind of resin or something. Some of them are just, you know, cloth and and, and rubber and plastic. So, but they're high-end. And uh, Hasbro really didn't touch those anymore. So around the time of *A Force Awakens*, what all of a sudden they introduce is a individual pack of what would be considered 12-inch figures. And the ones that I actually purchased uh, were the individual BB-8 which they've never made a BB-8 before in that size, so it kind of matches, it fits. You know, his head is slightly adjustable, but there's not much you can do with him, you know what I mean? It's a BB-8. He has a slightly flat bottom, this way at least he can sit still. Now this individual BB-8 also has a few accessories that you can attach that came with it. One of them is like, um, it's like a little cap you put at the end of each side of him and into that cap you can attach the actual accessory. The accessory that comes with this one includes one of them that is like a little portable saw, similar to the 1R2D2 has where he can saw a little circular saw. Well, this BB-8 comes with a circular saw type of attachment to one side of the body and then to the other side of the body. It looks almost like a like lightning, like a lightning flash, like a like an electric shock type of a uh, piece that is delivering this electric shock looking thing. For my purposes, I keep this one completely by itself without any attachments. And the other one that I was able to buy by by itself as part of that line, is a R2-D2 that has the two rocket boosters right next to them. So that's kind of neat. You know, we never had that. I mean, the R2 looks almost exactly like the one. It's almost, almost exactly like the one they put out before, you know, the Hasbro put out earlier. It doesn't have that much detail. It doesn't have the third leg, but it does have those two attachable boosters, rocket boosters on the side. So that's kind of neat. You know, what the heck? They were only, I think, $10 or less a piece. So they are determining a price point that they want to kind of sell it, you know, to, to a cheaper market. You know, they're not really high, high-end items here. Then, they also put out a three-pack of a C-3PO with a red arm, again, Force Awakens, a BB-8, and another little astromech droid. The C-3PO with the red arm is not in proportion with the Hasbro ones. It is noticeably slightly smaller I mean you see the difference it's there but as long as you don't put them together you can kind of look at him and go yeah maybe he is that but he's not he's obviously you know a a certain ratio smaller in dimensions than the other one but it's the only one we're going to get I could grab a a, an older c3 which I have and which I was actually thinking of doing and just paint one of his arms red uh, and I was actually considering doing that. And I might still do it. But no, I got that one instead. But the primary reason I got him was not for C-3PO. I got him because of the Astromech, the other extra droid that came with it. I believe the name, let's see, RO4LO. Uh, that is the, uh, the actual designation for him. Uh, I believe he might have been part of the resistance. He's about 7 inches tall. Instead of the R5D forehead and instead of the R2D2 dome head, he has that slightly more triangular head if you kind of remember the, the you know the different heads this is finally uh, you know wow an actual figure that i haven't seen before an actual representation of an astromech it kind of works in terms of when you put him with the rest of those r2s and r5d4s etc it falls into that category it kind of looks that way again he doesn't have that third leg which is a shame but uh, everything else is almost exactly the way it should be the detail is not 100 percent there i would say it's maybe 90 percent there it's a black and white type of coloring. Nothing fancy, but it works. And it, it's really cool. You do get another BB-8. Now, the BB-8 in this set does come with a couple of little accessories that you can put on. And that is the, um, hard to really describe what would be arms. Let's think, think about the BB-8 and where it has arms, which doesn't have arms. But off to the sides, you can kind of put these additional round clips on either side that has these attachable Accessories, kinda like a tool, like a like a I don't know if it's a gun or a welding torch or something like that that you can attach to some of the sides. So it gives him a little extra stuff to wear. And that's kind of neat in terms of well, at least he's not a bare bones BB eight. Well, two more quick ones I want to mention that I almost forgot is in the droids line if you will, as part of the Phantom Menace, they've had also released pit droids in different combinations and different forms. And these are kind of cute. There are multiple ones, different colors, like I said, and uh, you can kind of scatter them along your collection, so they kind of look good there. They do have, unfortunately, the same issue (laughs) as the battle droids. They are kind of top-heavy, very skinny, skinny legs, uh, so they are kind of a little bit difficult to keep up and standing. They are super articulated to the point where you can have them sitting down on the floor and they kind of look, they're a little funny looking because they were kind of humorous in the film. And the other one I also like to kind of throw in there with droids and it's just kind of like to add a little garnish to your dish is a Jawa. I did mention earlier that I do not own a kenner 12 inch jawa but i do have a hasbro one and it is gorgeous little beautiful little funny little creature that when you have like i said a lot of droids you put them in the middle and it looks like he's at a toy store you know shopping they, they look fantastic when you throw a couple of jawas in the mix anyway this is you know your basic collection that if you're into the uh, the droid side of the 12 inch figures you know this is what you got to uh, deal with is if that is how you're focusing your collection i don't know if they'll continue with them Uh, i know that they made a k2so for rogue one but as of now i've only seen them being sold as part of another target exclusive that comes with i don't know six or seven other of these uh, figures and i just don't want to pay the price Uh, you know i'm only looking for one i'm not paying for six other ones so until i can find it by itself you know i'm not going to bother with it but it looks like they're continuing with this 12 inch line and unfortunately you know It's not great, but because it's the only thing that's out there in that size, I am going to continue, you know, looking for them. If they come up, if they're good quality, you know, I will try to try to possibly get some of these. Well, that's going to kind of wrap things up for today's episode. I'd like to thank Kyle for joining me today. And I'd like to thank you guys, as usual, for listening. Please join us again next week, when we're going to have a couple more of these crazy subjects to talk about. And until then... Thanks for listening, and we will see you here soon at GeekFest France. Bye-bye, everybody. I'm after the Death Star plans. Kenner's Star Wars large size action figures sold separately with movable arms and legs. C-3PO, R2-D2, Han Solo and the Stormtrooper. You'll never find a plan, Stormtrooper. You can push R2-D2's secret button to open his hidden compartment. Plans are safe and the Stormtrooper's gone. Thanks, Han. I didn't get this medal for nothing. large size Stormtrooper R2-D2-C-3PO Han Solo, each sold separately from Kenner. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com, or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at GeekFest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! GeekFest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, Copyright 2017. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit iCrobots.com for this and many other nerd-slash nostalgia-related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long.